Welcome to the Intellectual Freedom Podcast. Here we analyze politics, culture, technology, personal growth and development, and society at large through the lens of critical thinking and open-mindedness, not demagoguery and partisan hyperbole. I'm Dr. David Hopkins, Humanities Professor, your host and guide. So without further delay, let's get started. June 22nd of 2020 was a very interesting day down here in Florida. We haven't seen legislation of this type in a very long time, but Governor DeSantis signed a bill. The name of it, House Bill 233, uh, was the name of it, protecting freedom of speech. Now, in reading the bill, I almost fell out of my chair as it's designed to protect intellectual freedom of all viewpoints. And of course, the name of this podcast, Intellectual Freedom Podcast, it definitely caught my attention when I saw this come across the wires. Now, to be kind uh, to the majority of my colleagues in higher education, many of whom I respect dearly, the fact is liberalism outnumbers conservatism on a, on a scale of nearly 12 to 1, I saw in a, in a recent survey. So it gets even more herd mentality, the higher up from the community college to, say, tier one universities a student may go. But, but the most homogeneous-minded people, The most group think people are found in the elite universities. Heck, of the top 66 top rated liberal arts colleges, 39% of them didn't even have one single registered Republican professor. Not even one of them. So maybe 50 years ago, one could say the liberal viewpoint had to fight to be heard, but well, now it's 2021. Uh, let's be honest. If you don't conform or at least be quiet to the liberal ideology, well, you may have a tough go of it in many university settings. I find it ironic and almost comical that the elite college classes, and, and I say that tongue-in-cheek anymore, elite colleges, that they're so close-minded and they're indoctrinating all the way through the graduate schools, that those hired inside the graduate schools that become the next generation of professors are coming out with identical groupthink mindsets. For those who, f- who fully want to understand the game of higher education in every field, they have games you have to play to get from A to B to C. Well, a student enters graduate school. Taught by close to 100% or nearly 100% liberal faculty. They take up graduate assistantships, probably under the tutelage of liberal faculty. They publish while they're going through their grad and post-grad studies uh, with the help of liberal faculty. They get letters of recommendation from liberal faculty. They build relationships with liberal faculty who then end up being hired by liberal faculty and liberal administrators after they're done. And this cycle repeats, rinse, wash, repeat. That is life, sadly, in many tier one universities. 
If you want a more balanced and open-minded perspective and an actual real cross-section of society, you probably have to head down to the state college systems and the two- and the four-year institutions where indoctrination and groupthink and shout-down culture happens in minuscule numbers compared to the closed-minded colleges on the top tier of the spectrum. So, here in Florida, this is what passed. It states the following, and I'll just read these for you quickly. Requires each Florida college system institution and state university to annually assess the intellectual freedom and viewpoint diversity at that institution using a survey adopted by the State Board of Education or the Board of Governors of the State University System as applicable. Eh, surveys, well, whatever. I'm not sure this matters all that much, so I don't take a whole lot of value from surveys, in my opinion. It's a, it's a way that institutions use to, to make objective data out of stuff, but I doubt this will do much. But another important point, prohibits the state boards and the board of governors and the Florida college system institutions and state universities from shielding students, faculty, or staff from protected free speech. This is the one sentence in the entire thing that I absolutely love. I love this. There is simply too much shielding of opinions of blocking guest speakers. Heck, I encourage my students to read what people that tell them not to read and to go listen to speakers they don't like. This is what college is supposed to be about, to expose yourself to all types of ideas, of concepts, of people. Now, of course, how they implement this, well, I don't hold my breath. It will do much. But that concept just strikes at the core of what college is supposed to be. So I applaud the government for doing that, the, the state government of Florida. Another one includes in the definition of protected expressive activities, faculty research, lectures, lectures, writing, commentary, whether published or unpublished. The bill clarifies that expressive activities do not include, include defamatory speech. I think this is important and I think it's good. But again, how it gets implemented and enforced, well, I don't really know and nobody knows yet how that's going to work. So again, I like the concept. I just, number one, I don't believe for a second freedom of speech and intellectual freedom will be open-mindedly and evenly distributed by college presidents and the liberal hierarchy. Um, you know, they're going to bend it to their own benefits. Probably. I hope I'm completely and grossly wrong on this. But, you know, just as those in power from any ideological persuasion, they they tend to bend the rules or implement things in a way that benefits them. But, hey, we'll see. Number two, I think as government laws are often, and, and this may this may sadly be nothing more than flashy and sparkly stuff with no teeth and no real meaning beyond maybe DeSantis signing it because it looks good and sounds good for because he has presidential aspirations. I may be wrong on that too, but hey, it would not put me past. It wouldn't. I, 
it wouldn't be beyond the realm of possibility, how do I say this nicely, that sometimes politicians sign bill, nothing more, for no other purpose rather than just being able to say, hey, look what I just did, and it really won't work. Maybe I'll be proven dead wrong, and this this bill changes the landscape, and I love the language, and I love what it's trying to do, but I'm not going to be holding my breath on it. The antiquated and the decaying higher education system, this isn't the topic of the conversation today. The topic is intellectual freedom. I mean, for, for most, it's completely boring to hear professors whine and complain about how their paper on 17th century economic theory is being shunned by the publishing world. Who cares, in all honesty? I want to be more real. I want to be more practical where life is lived day in and day out, not inside the four walls of a college classroom. So this brings me to the crux of the podcast, intellectual freedom, and how you and I, at the, indi- at the individual level, we can exert our freedoms in the context of a completely messed up world. I've now been publishing this podcast for 60 plus episodes with hours and hours of content, but I'm I'm not sure I've ever really talked about the name Intellectual Freedom Podcast and why this name is so critically important for society. And it has a real personal feel for me because this is one of the key concepts I'm constantly teaching in my classroom. But intellectual freedom, even more for just a college professor or a university, it's important for you as an individual. If you just Google a definition of intellectual freedom, it'll read something to the effect, you know, intellectual freedom is uh, the ability or freedom to hold, receive, disseminate ideas, and there's no restrictions on you. It's often viewed as an integral component of a democratic society. Uh, It protects the individual's right to access, to explore, to consider and express ideas and information kind of as this basis of self-governance, you know, having a well-informed citizenry. Intellectual freedom makes up the bedrock for freedoms of expression and freedom of speech and freedom of press and even relates to the freedoms of information and the right to privacy. So it's a big, broad, important umbrella, this idea of intellectual freedom. So all of this is well and good, and it's it comes from the Enlightenment minds of the 18th century that were pushing back at that time against very repressive regime regimes in feudal Europe, where those in power were born in power, and no matter what, the rich always stayed in power, and the poor stayed poor, uneducated, and subservient to the whims of just a few people. Yet, I think too often with intellectual freedom— We kind of defer to governments, to political parties that either give us the freedom or they take it away. Like what's going on in in, uh, Hong Kong right now uh, with China just constantly eroding their freedoms. Or, as I just talked about, House Bill 233. We're treated almost as if we're two-year-old children, as if we have no personal responsibility in the entire process. And we can applaud a government or we can rage against a government, but at the end of the day, we're nothing more than pawns on the board or cogs in a machine, and we either vote in people who let us have freedom of speech or intellectual freedom, or 
we vote in those who take it away and give the power back to the government. Sure, to some extent, we all live in society that sadly the central governments are more and more powerful. And even our education system seems grotesquely ideologically motivated way too often. But sadly, we have to take ownership in this too. We're just simply surrendering the power or shrugging our shoulders with an, oh, well, this isn't really all that bad or not really anything I can do about that. I'm busy. Powerful regime style rants. You can find those any anywhere online. Those rage against the machine voices out there. They can keep you satisfied complaining all day long. But this isn't where I want to talk about in regards to intellectual freedom. I want to focus on six characteristics of an intellectually free mind that you and I and everyone can work on to gain our own personal intellectual freedom in the midst of political jockeying, in the midst of our culture that we live today. These are characteristics that I try and put in front of my students whenever I can inside the classroom. So first, I think it's important to question everything. We should not ever take for granted anything or assume it's correct. The reality is we live in a very complex world and now more than ever, we simply can't trust the institutions we've built over the past 200 plus years that they have our best interest or the population at heart, whether it's federal, local, state, county, boards of education, RNC, DNC, all of them need to be viewed with a skeptical eye. Yes, I know that sounds pessimistic, and I'm and I'm not, I'm really not, but no longer can we just sit idly by and assume things are as they are. There's so many things that happen that we just kind of blow off. Are all the riots we see real? Or are some of them planned and staged and orchestrated to mobilize an unthinking and unquestioning population to just achieve certain political ends? Well, I know that happened for sure in Venezuela. I also know it's happening right now in Colombia and probably has happened in the U.S. as well. Or how long will the government keep buying up bonds? in the bond market to keep interest rates artificially low, even though we can feel that inflation coming up. Why is this happening? Quantitative easing started in 2008, 13 years ago, as a temporary measure to stabilize the markets after the housing collapse. It never went away. And now 13 years later, bonds are still artificially low. Why? There's just two simple examples. But question everyone. Don't accept at face value the government. Sure, we should hope for the best. And you don't have to become some conspiracy theory wacko on literally everything. But to timidly, passively, with shoulders shrugging, say, oh, well. Or to be so indoctrinated that, oh, my gosh, well, if it came out of the mouth that someone that's a Democrat, it must be a lie. Or, oh, my gosh, a Republican said it. Well, then that must be racist for sure. That's not intellectual freedom. That sheep mentality. This is the way those in power want us to think. That, oh, well, uh, that's just the way it is, is perfect for them to keep power and take even more power from us. Number two, one of the quickest paths to intellectual freedom is to be open-minded and to listen to opposing viewpoints. The key in this word is listen. 
Freedom is gained not in bullying your viewpoint, ranting, raving, name-calling. That's tiresome. It's not worth a second of your effort. If you want to give up your intellectual freedom, act like politicians or act like corporate cable news actors yelling and talking over each other in 45-second sound bites. But if you want to gain intellectual freedom, you need to be open-minded and sometimes just shut up and listen. Truly, to be open-minded and listen to opposing positions is powerful. Number three, intellectual freedom encompasses a level of curiosity. You will notice in this podcast, I talk about a range of issues, some technology, politics, health and wellness, personal motivation, education stuff. See, it's important to truly free your mind that you're curious to understand how things all across this life work. Ask questions from people you know who are experts on different things. Explore, analyze, and evaluate different opinions and ideas. Don't be one of those people who if you don't ask them about sports or their immediate family, they don't really have much of an opinion on anything in the world because, well, they're just doing their own thing or vegging out in front of a TV. We get to walk this planet Earth one time. So soak up as much of it as you can and be curious about what's going on around you. Number four, having intellectual freedom means having the courage to live out your passions and and your dreams. One of the most amazing things that I see in our modern social media environment is everybody sure seems to love themselves more than other people, but they almost care more about the opinions of others than following their own true self. Isn't that crazy? But it's so true. If you want to be intellectually free, you got to demonstrate some courage sometimes to go for those things that you know deep down in you are things you want to pursue. Number five, to have intellectual freedom, you have to take personal responsibility for all your actions. Yes, all your actions. Do you have the ability to honestly look inside yourself and evaluate your emotions, the words you say, or the actions you do to try and figure out why something ended up the way it was? We all have those moments. The conversation that gets out of hand and we get angry and we don't accomplish or we don't accomplish something we knew we needed to do or we didn't live up to an obligation or a business venture failed or you were fired from a job or whatever it may be. If you want to be intellectually free, that freedom is found within yourself to reflect honestly and not sugarcoat stuff that needs to be addressed inside your character. Texans have so many little little truisms. And one of my favorite of all time I heard down there is uh, you, you can't roll shit in powdered sugar and call it a donut. We have to be able to look at that ugly side and honestly reflect and honestly take personal responsibility if we want to reach intellectual freedom. And then number six, humility. As I thought through the characteristics, I just, I just could not leave this one off because it's one I've struggled with incredibly. 
nobody would have ever used the word humble to describe me in my younger days. Not by a long shot. But the older I get, the less fear that I have in saying I don't know. Along with this, you know, there there are three words. I am sorry. When I screw up, these words are so intensely powerful. I don't mean the kind of sorry where someone says, I'm sorry, but really, it wasn't exactly all my fault. Because if you remember back to 2019 when you said X, that, that's what really made me do Y today. Or that sorry, not sorry kind of backhanded, half-baked type apology. You know, sometimes to be humble, we just have to, we just have to own it and have that humility. So this humility thing, admitting I don't know and saying I'm sorry, too often in society that is viewed as a weakness. But for people with intellectual freedom, it's the ultimate strength. There's just too much bombastic language and stuff out there. Too many people that are expert on other people's business. When in fact, they don't even have their own house in order. It's like your brokest friend tries to give you financial advice or that well-intentioned friend giving you relationship advice after he or she's been divorced three, four times. Come on now. We all know that that person, that expert on absolutely everything. Don't be that person. Finally, I think that the people are humble. They tend to be more kind. Kind people are more respectful. And they don't call everyone names or spout off at others. And so humility just encompasses so much in my mind about being intellectually free. So to recap them all, question everything. Be open-minded and listen. Be curious. Have the strength to pursue your own life passions. And finally, be humble. Notice all these things are achieved on the personal level. The government can't give them to you. Ron DeSantis can't give them to me as a college faculty in the state of Florida. Joe Biden couldn't give them to you even if he wanted to. Neither could Donald Trump. Look, in 2021, how many honestly believe a po- believe a politician or Lord help us, a political party is going to empower you to live your best life. I mean, it's it's almost absurd to think so. And with this current den of thieves in Washington, D.C., it makes it even more ridiculous. Your intellectual freedom is achieved through one place, through you. You have placed the shackles on yourself if you don't have it. You have allowed the negative self-talk to control you. You have left Yourself, you've let yourself get played by political propaganda or got sucked into the material culture that clouds your ability to think clearly and to think critically. The bad news? If you're not intellectually free right now, yeah, it is your fault. It wasn't your parents' fault. It wasn't the government's fault. It wasn't some rich billionaire's fault. The amount of melatonin in your skin or where you were born, you are to blame. But, and here's the good news, you are also the solution and you are 100% empowered to make the right changes. But let's say you don't know how or even where to start or, well, here's some real quick tips. Read, read a lot, read all kinds of stuff from great minds. Don't read stupid Facebook memes or ranting diatribes in forums or propaganda stories or 
30-second soundbite news clips from corporate media, but read real stuff from the great minds. Fill your head from the perspective of successful people across all kinds of things. Number two, just listen, hear others to understand, especially, and this is the hard thing to do, especially people you disagree with. Another one, check your anger. Anger is such a venomous poison. Sometimes in the midst of anger flare-ups, watching news or talking with that person you disagree on politics, when you feel that anger flare-up, just say, just take some really, really deep breaths, gather yourself slowly, and then speak. There has never been anybody ever that has said, you know, when I'm white hot with anger, I speak incredibly rational and reasonable. I think very clearly and my thoughts are where are well organized when I am furious with anger. My friends and family, they, they love to have conversations with me when I'm stalking the house in anger like a tiger. I mean, come on. You know that doesn't work. Anger will shut off your ability to think. And, it, and if you want to just utterly annihilate all six of those characteristics of intellectual freedom, use anger. Anger will shut them all off pretty much instantaneously. And finally, admit you don't know everything. There is nothing worse than the know-it-all. Nothing. Don't be that person. Because you don't want to associate with that person that's never wrong, ever. So push yourself. When you begin to fall into that self-righteousness, I'm completely right and I refuse to listen to anything you say, take a step back, take that deep breath, just back off and don't do it. None of these things are easy, but I hope that helped. Do I live this out perfectly? Oh, no way. Of course not. But I keep trying to push myself to get better and better at it all the time. And so should you. And if everyone does that, our entire society will get much, much better. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, click like or follow and you'll be alerted when new episodes come available. But for today, let's keep pushing ourselves to be intellectually free in our own worlds that we live. And if we do this, we can make big changes in our own families, in our communities. So push yourself towards intellectual freedom. Until the next episode, I hope you have a great day and a wonderful week.